Good morning. How is everyone? There was too many of you talking, I couldn't tell. Um, just kidding. Um, well, my name is Joshua, like you said. I'm from Ethos Church in Nashville. Um, last time I didn't have glasses. You guys look so much better this time. Um, it's crazy. I had no idea how serious it was until I put these glasses on. Um, but it's really good to see you guys this morning. And I literally mean that. It's good to see you guys this morning. So um, we're going to be continuing on in John 15. If you've got your Bibles, um, you can turn there. And we're going to be continuing on. Uh, Jesus is, has been walking through this metaphor of being the vine and the disciples being the branches. Uh, and he's talked about how Jesus is the vine and the Father is the gardener. And uh, the other day, as I was thinking about this passage, I was looking at a tree. And I, I literally just had the most simple thought. I was looking at the tree and the branches and thought, if that branch falls off of that tree, uh, that branch is kind of useless from then on, right? Because it's just kind of clear. It, it gets its source of, of life from the tree. And this is what Jesus is so good at doing, uh, giving us just a simple picture uh, to communicate a heavenly truth. He's telling the disciples, hey, if you're connected to me, you have life. But if you're disconnected from me, you do not have life. And so uh, we're picking up right in the middle of this in verse 9, um, as Jesus continues on with this metaphor. So uh, I'm going to read this, uh, then I'll pray, and then we'll dig into the teaching. Um, are you guys here this morning? Are we alert? Are we aware that, that we serve a living God? That, that wasn't a, I'm asking, because I'm asking myself. I was sitting in the back, and I was like asking myself, am I here right now? You know, because how normal is this for us? This is just what we do. We come here on Sunday, and we sing, and they're typically about God, the songs are. And then a, a guy uh, gets up here and says a few things, and we're like, man, that was a good teaching. Or, oh, that, that wasn't a great teaching. And we get communion, and we sing, and we leave again. And I, and I just hope that I know, I hope that we know, uh, that we serve a living God. I was praying for you guys this morning, and this like, kind of image just came over my heart. I was just like, I thought about Elijah calling down fire, and I thought about how silly he looked when he started dumping water on the altar. Like, it was like, that was just a terrible strategy. You guys remember that story when Elijah's praying down fire from heaven? And, and, but before he does that, he's like, hey, dump a ton of water on the altar. You know how ridiculous he looked? It's like, Elijah, this is a terrible strategy. The chances of God lighting that on fire in the first place pretty slim. But if you drench it in water, I got to think your chances are going down, right? And as I was praying for us, I was like, God, I feel like our altars are wet. Like, I feel like it's unlikely that you're going to move and, and like change America, that you're going to revolutionize the church and you're going to reach the millions. But that's the exact altar you blaze with fire. That's the exact altar that you work with the best. Uh, so I, that's what I kind of just felt for us this morning. It's like, God, the altar kind of seems wet. It feels unlikely that you're going to come and just like change our city. Um, but you are God and that's who our faith is in. So Anyway, it's a random tangent that has nothing to do with our teaching. Um, all right, let's read verses 9 through 16. It says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Uh, let's pray. 
God, I, I pray uh, for your presence. Um, God, you are here, um, and you are not containable. So God, I pray that we wouldn't try to put you in a box to contain you. I pray that we would be open to whatever you have for us. Uh, God, I really just pray for grace in the name of Jesus to um, speak words from you. God, I really pray um, that you would enable this time to be a time where we get a bigger and truer picture of who you are. Um, and that takes you to do that, not me, not a well-crafted teaching, um, not good worship. Um, God, it takes your Holy Spirit. Um, so I really do, I just ask you, um, would you just have this time, just have my heart, have my words, and um, have our ears. May we hear you uh, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we walk through verses 9 through 16, I'm going to kind of break it up into two little things. So the first thing we're going to talk about is identity, all right? The second thing is instruction, all right? So the first thing is what? Identity. The second thing is what? Awesome. Um, so the reason we're going to go in this order is if you're like me, with Jesus, you're all about, I need the instruction. Jesus, what do you need from me? What can I do for you? Uh, and, and the problem is, if we move out of a place of instruction, our effectiveness in the kingdom, our faith, our faith system will always be built on our ability uh, to obey, right? And naturally, our ability to obey, our obedience to God fluctuates, right? Some days we're going to obey to the T, and some days we're going to kind of be lazy and we're going to disobey, right? right? So we're going to cover identity before we get to the instruction, although some of our natural instincts might be, give me the instruction. But if we move from a place of identity uh, in Jesus, we move from a place that never changes, so that's where we're going to start in identity. Let's look at verse 9. It says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. So Jesus slides this phrase right here in the middle. And if, if you're like me, you read right past that. Like you're, you've been told Jesus loves you for a long time, so we move right past it. But I really want to sit with this for a moment. This reminds me of a story of my grandfather. He told me, I was too young to remember, but he said that we were fishing one day. We were out on the lake and we were bass fishing in Paris, Tennessee, uh, home of the world's largest fish fry. <laughs> Thank you. I just love you. I love you guys in the back row that know Paris. That means a lot. Third biggest Eiffel Tower. Little known fact. We have a third biggest Eiffel Tower. Anyway, me and my granddad, tangent, we're fishing, okay? We're on a boat. And my granddad says, Josh, do you know what it means when I say that I love you? I don't remember what I said here, but he just said, I kind of sat there. What does it mean? He's like, it means I would give my life for you. And I love you. And I sat there for a few minutes. A few minutes. Grandpa? Yeah? I love you too. <laughs> and I think my granddad hears that story. He tells me that story and says, you had to actually think, yikes, I don't know if I'd give my life for Grandpa. <laughs> you know? So I was like, okay, well, here's what I love about him. Here's what I don't. I guess, no, no, but I think that was like this first moment that I had someone really explain love to me, where I had to really contemplate like, whoa, you know, I, I've heard love before, but I've never had someone say, do you know what it means that I love you? And I think this was the first time that I really considered like the weightiness of that. And so then I responded, I love you. And so now I have a, I have a wonderful family. I have brothers and sisters of faith. And it's pretty common to use the word love. Like I feel like if you're in church regularly, you probably hear the word love a ton, but I don't remember the last time I sat and reflected on what does it mean to be loved? Like, what does that mean that I am loved? And I just got lost in the thought of the weightiness and the sweetness of being loved and loving back. And we may be so accustomed to the word love that we totally miss this statement from Jesus. He says, as the Father loved Jesus, 
So Jesus loved them. So here's what we know about Jesus. He is the one and only Son. He was with God from the beginning. He was with God and was God. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father. That is just the beginning of John chapter 1. This is an intimate, infinite relationship we're talking about. This is the Son in whom God the Father is revealed and glorified. Man, God is crazy about Jesus. You remember in Mark 1 when he's baptized? God says, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Or Matthew 17 in the Transfiguration. This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. I don't know how often God breaks the sound barriers to speak identity over someone, but he does it twice in Scripture over Jesus and says, this is my Son. I am pleased with Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm crazy about Jesus, the God of the cosmos, creator of all. It says, I love Jesus. And what gets so sweet is when Jesus says, as the Father loves me, I love you. That crazy, big, amazing, infinite, sweet love that he loves me with, I love you. And what does that tell us? How does this inform us about Jesus? In John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That God loved Jesus, Jesus loved us, and God loved us enough to give Jesus, and Jesus loved us enough to give himself. Some of you came here this morning, and the minute I said we have identity instruction, you came here eager for the instruction. What do I got to do to please God? And I want to be clear. Your relationship with God is first and foremost rooted in the very real truth that you are loved by God. And some of you need to just tune me out for the next 20 minutes. Don't listen anymore, and you need to soak on that fact. You are loved by God. You are loved by Jesus. That is your truth. The question is not first, Jesus, what do you need me to do? The question is, Jesus, who do you tell me that I am? Do we hear that? Not, Jesus, what do you need from me? No, Jesus, who do you tell me that I am? Because Jesus found this important enough to say. He said this on purpose. He wasn't just sliding this in to coddle us. He wasn't just like, hey, this will make you feel better so then I can get you to do stuff. No, Jesus is speaking from a place of true, genuine love. So we move from that place of identity. That is where we move from. You are loved. Have I made that clear? Do you know that you're loved by Jesus? Yes? Hopefully? Hopefully. I'll pray um, that we all know that. Sometimes I doubt it. So uh, reading uh, the rest of verse 9. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. So it says, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Now, if we aren't careful here, we'll turn this into uh, a legalism or we'll let fear grip us. We'll turn this into sort of a boss-employee kind of relationship where we have to measure uh, whether we've kind of lived up to Jesus' expectations. Because He says, if you don't keep my commands, you won't remain in me, right? Right? It feels very much like you have to do something in order to stay in this. But as I was reading that this week, I realized there's this interconnectedness to the love of Jesus and his commands. The commands of Jesus have the concern of the entire world at hand. They have concern for the glory of God being spread throughout the entire earth. So your ability to obey the commands of Jesus is not necessarily the concern of Jesus. The heart of Jesus is the glory of God filling the entire earth and people coming to know the Father through Jesus. Thus, your abiding in Jesus and your obedience is an intricate part of the kingdom of God coming to earth. So to get to know the heart, the, the heart of the command Jesus gives, you kind of have to understand the heart that Jesus has for it, right? And that kind of reminded me of parents. It's like, 
you got to know the heart of the parents to understand the commands they're giving you. So as I was talking to Adam, this sort of just came to my mind. When my parents, they raised me, and they told me to always say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir. And, you know, when I was younger, I thought it was kind of weird. I didn't understand what was going on there. But see, my parents, they weren't telling me to be well-mannered, to just kind of like reign over me and prove that they had authority, Right? They weren't saying, hey, say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir, just to tell me what to do, right? They knew that a well-mannered guy has a better shot at getting the job, at keeping the job, at getting the promotion. A well-mannered guy uh, seems respectable, right? It respects others. He's well-received. It's just kind of obvious. So when I'm five, instilling that habit of any time someone's older than me or younger nowadays, because I'm getting old enough to where people younger than me are still kind of old, I'm, it's yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, right? They built a habit in me. Or I think about whenever I would uh, get in an argument with my sister. Uh, my mom or dad would say, apologize to your sister, right? And I would do it with the most sincere heart. Oh, sister, my heart has been wrecked for you. Um, no, but my mom and dad, they were teaching me. A man needs to take responsibility when he's wrong. He needs to own up to his responsibility. Have you ever been around someone who can't own up to responsibility? Nothing's ever their fault. Don't you love them? <laughs> you should. That's what we're talking about today, okay? So repent and confess, no. Um, but it's hard, right? It's, it's, you want someone who, is, uh, who, who knows how to own up for their mistakes, for their wrongs. Like, that person is a good friend, a good coworker, a good husband or wife. Like, you guys, my married people, you know, like, if, if they can't own up to their mistakes, it makes things a little bit harder. We got to be able to own up to it. And so when my parents would tell me to go say sorry, they weren't doing it to puff up their own ego, to be like, yeah, see, I'm the parent. Do this, right? No, there was a heart behind it. They were molding me. They were grooming me. And in the same way, this is how the commands of Jesus work. When he says that we too are to keep his commands, to remain in his love, we must understand that his commands have our best interests at stake. That his commands are for our sakes. That to embrace the commands of Jesus actually lead us into the love of Jesus right back into the place of identity. So Jesus says, if you want to remain in me, obey my commands. And what does Jesus say? Let's reread verses 12 through 14. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. What an insanely awesome command from Jesus. Like, this is so cool. How many of us know that this is a command? Jesus is not suggesting it. He's not saying, hey, on your best day, when you feel up for it. He is commanding that we love one another. And he says, if you can't do it, you can't remain in me. That's how important it is to love each other. I was blown away by this this week. Like, that is an awesome king to follow. Like, what an awesome ruler to reign over my life. He is so concerned with love being the core of who we are that it is closely tied to relationship with him. In fact, it's what relationship with Jesus is made of. So here's what we can do with this verse. We can take our kind of cheap, southern, watered-down version of love. Hey, how you doing? You good? Okay, good. Like prayer requests, anybody? You know, we can take that version of love and apply it here. But the truth is, Jesus is asking for so much more. He says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus says, look, if you want to remain in me, if you want to prove yourselves to be mine, here's what I command you. Lay your life down. There is no greater display of genuine love than this. 
Now, the first thing I thought about when Jesus says, lay your life down, greater love has no one than this, he who lays his life down, I thought, well, Jesus did that, right? He goes to the cross and he dies. But he isn't asking the disciples to carry this out by dying for one another in that moment, right? He's not telling them, like, right now, do it, die for each other, right? What he's telling them is to love how Jesus loved. And so I started thinking about this. How did Jesus love? He walked with the disciples. He spent years talking about the kingdom of God with them. He encouraged them. He challenged them. He pushed them. He put them in tough situations and promised that God would provide. He sent them out two by two, telling them to take nothing with them. He invited them to hand out the miraculous fish and bread. He rebuked Peter when Peter wasn't quite on board with Jesus being crucified. He told them to follow him and that the path of following him would cost them their life. He fed the poor with them. He healed the sick with them. He cared for the marginalized with them. He showed them the DNA of the Father's love. Church, I just invite you for a moment. Forget that I'm up here talking and and just look around. Right now, look at each other. This is so weird, so awkward, but I want you to look at each other. Make eye contact with at least two people, like that weird. Okay, you guys see each other? Do you see that we're all in the same room right now? That we're all happen to be in the same building on Sunday morning? Okay, love each other. Like really, really, really love each other. Give your lives for one another. Challenge one another. Encourage one another. Serve one another. Worship and pray with one another. Not just here. Please not just here. Worship and pray with one another. Don't carry a grudge. Don't gossip. Don't let the enemy win here. Encourage each other. Stand up for each other. Be bold to each other. When you confront someone in sin, don't do it condemning them. Remind them of the grace and the truth that is Jesus. That is the gospel. Do it together. This is such a gift right now. It's blowing my mind uh, that I grew up, and, and in some ways, I grew up around the same group of people every single Sunday and never felt close to them. That makes zero sense. In any world, how can I be around the same people so often and not even know them? It's like, take advantage of the gift. Jesus says, I'm not suggesting it. I'm commanding it. In fact, if you can't obey the command, you're not really in me. That branch is not connected to the vine if you can't do this. Love each other. And my question for any time Jesus says something, anytime he gives us instruction or speaks identity, I, I want to know the purpose behind it, right? We, we want to know the why. Uh, we see the answer in, at the end of this uh, part of Jesus' talk in verse 16, uh, where he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. And then in verse 8, he also highlights it. He says, This is to my Father's glory. So just like a parent gives commands with vision for the future, uh, for the purpose of molding and grooming a child, Jesus gives these commands with the heart of the kingdom of God to bear fruit and to bring the Father uh, glory. So this is why we're here. We exist to bear fruit. Uh, That means that we have a healthy connection to the vine and the gardener, which is the Father, is keeping an eye on the plant to ensure the health and growth. We are here to stay connected with Jesus and to bear the fruit of Jesus. And in a culture where uh, Christianity is seen as too legalistic or too grace-filled and not enough truth or too judgmental or too accepting, Jesus is calling our focus to him, to love him, to know him, to obey his commands, and to bear fruit. And the why is easy right here, to bring the Father glory. We are here, we are purposed here uh, to bring the Father glory. We are glory bearers to further the name of Jesus and to abide by the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Now, it's one thing to sit here and, and to get excited and to give a pep talk about this, uh, but it's a whole other thing to actually take this and start letting it affect our reality, 
right, to change our Monday. And so I started thinking, what are some ways we can start living into the scripture to love one another as Jesus has loved us, to give our lives for one another? I think the first thing is prayer, right? Prayer that listens and examines the heart. Maybe for some of you, you need to come before God and say, God, like, where am I not allowing the truth of your love to come to my heart? Where am I keeping you at arm's length? Where am I not accepting the truth that I am loved? Or where are you pointing me somewhere and I'm just, I'm just saying like, no, I'm not ready for that. I don't want to give that up. Where are you asking for more? And then I think it moves to one another. You start paying attention to the Gospels. You, you kind of watch how Jesus moved. Maybe you do something practical. You notice that Jesus often took the disciples with him and as he walked, he would teach. And maybe you're like, I want to start walking and teaching with someone. I remember one time uh, my, my friend Dave he was, uh, he's just such a mentor and a discipler of me. And uh, I remember we went to the mall. He had to run an errand. And as we were in the mall, he told me to take my teaching notes with me into the mall. I thought that was so weird. I was like, I don't want to, I had to do a bunch of teaching notes for him. He said, bring them to the mall. And I was like, I, I don't want to carry these and go over this while I'm at the mall. That's weird. And he said, as Jesus walked, he often taught. He's like, that's what I want to do. I want to walk with you and teach you as we go. And I had never heard someone do that in all my life of church. I had never heard someone say, I want to practically do what Jesus practically did. And so maybe that's something for us. Maybe that's the next step for us as a church. What did Jesus practically do? How can we do that? You know, Jesus was with Peter on the beach, and he forgives Peter. Who do I need to forgive? And then lastly, I think we ask ourselves as a church, are we bearing fruit? Are we actually bearing fruit? And if we're not, God, where are some areas where we can bear more fruit in the world? So I'm going to invite the band to go ahead and come up here. Um, we're going to have a time of communion um, I, I just want to invite you guys to just reflect. Uh, some of you, it's going to be an identity thing. Like, you don't believe God loves you. Just truth be told, you don't really believe that. You need to soak in that truth that you are loved by Jesus. And some of it's going to be, we need to love each other better. And sometimes we're going to think, we need to go out into the world and love better. We need to bear fruit in the name of Jesus. So let's pray. We'll take communion, uh, and then we'll uh, worship. God, I pray um, that this word, if it was totally incoherent, that you just bring a truth out of it um, miraculously by your Spirit. I pray, God, that this would resonate with hearts, that it would plant seeds. Um, God, may we be branches connected to the vine. Uh, God, would we just be close with you um, and give our lives for you, uh, offer up our lives for you. In Jesus' name, amen.